Well, welcome to Off the Record, a candid, casual conversation about life, culture, and church. And we are glad that you've joined us for our very first podcast here as we jump in. We're making progress. Listen, we're only 1,771 podcasts behind the number one podcast in the world of Joe Rogan. So we're making progress. Just within our reach. It's within our reach. We're glad you've joined us here. And uh, that's really our goal during this time is just to really have conversations. Sunday mornings, we get a chance to really communicate a lot of content, but not really a chance to really sit and and talk about that. And so uh, thanks for joining us. We hope this is going to be a great venue to do that. You're going to continue to hear more content that you didn't hear in the context of our Sunday morning series but also a chance for you to send questions and interact. And so we just ask you to join us, uh, take a deep breath and come along with us for the ride. Well, this series, we're talking about mixtapes. It's our great yearly series that we do on love and relationships and marriage. And uh, today I'm joined by a couple of my great friends and people I have the joy of doing life and being on staff together with, Pastor Zach King and Pastor Helen Music. Thanks, guys, for joining us. No problem. Happy to be here. Glad to have you. Well, we're talking about love and marriage and relationships and... Uh, we're not experts on this, but we've been in relationships for a while. So why don't you tell a little bit about uh, yourselves, your, how long you've been married, and anything about your family. So Helen, you want to start us off? Yeah, start thank us off. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we've been married almost 39 years, and that is a long time. So married when you were like 12 or 13 then. 14, yeah. so. <laughs> and we have three kids, and we have three grandkids, so very fun. You are in that stage. Call, you? call me Grandma. Grandma. We're going with Grandma. Straight Grandma. Straight Grandma. I love it. thought you know Gamma or other names. Nope. Straight Grandma. Zach, how about you? Yeah, uh, I've been married to my beautiful wife, uh, Ashley, since 2000. So we got married that year. So whatever year it is, that's how long we've been married. It's easy to remember. I'm a guy. I need that reminder. So 21 plus years. We have three kids, uh, 16, 14, and 9. So a little behind you on that. But love, love being a dad. I love, love being a husband as well. So. Yeah. Well, I think we're right between you guys. So similar. We got married in 1990. Keeps it easy for me to remember. So coming on 31 years uh, as we've been married to adult, two adult kids that are both married. No grandkids yet. So we find ourselves Come on. kind of in between as we go. On. So as we kind of think and talk about that, uh, why don't we go back and just talk a little bit about some of the things that we've talked about the last two Sundays in our series, dealing this, really that first week was what every man wants, and the second one was what every woman wants. But both those, we really started with this, by the very nature of the title, the, the reality that men and women have different needs, uniquely created by God from the beginning. And one of the key passages that really was that foundation was that passage found in Ephesians. And I know, Zach, you've preached on that before in the past. For maybe those that aren't familiar with that, you want to just lay a little bit of that groundwork for us? Yeah, so uh, Ephesians 5 is a great uh, chapter just kind of talking about um, men and women, husbands and wives. It's it's a great book called Love and Respect um, that I used to teach on. And then I do, uh, whenever I do weddings, I typically kind of focus on on this passage. And so uh, the verse is Ephesians 5.33 says, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I think the point that I just want to make from a clarity standpoint is, like, obviously, like, um, it's saying, Helen, your greatest need is love, and my greatest need is respect. It doesn't mean that you don't need respect. It doesn't mean that I don't need love. It just means the way that God has designed us and wired us means that that is your greatest need. That's my greatest need is respect, and yours is love. And so it doesn't mean that you're not looking for your husband to respect me. I'm looking for my wife to love me. I can feel unloved. You can feel disrespected. But as far as the way that we're wired, it's just saying that they're both needs, but this one's just a little bit higher than the other one um, based on the way God's designed us. So, Yeah, I think that's such a great perspective. And we know that the, the crazy cycle begins when that's not being true, right? When, when a 
When our wives don't feel loved, they struggle to show respect. And when a man doesn't sh- feel respected, he fails many times to show love. And we just kind of get moving around right. in, in that cycle. I know I've been on that crazy cycle in my marriage plenty mm-hmm. of times. Mm-hmm. So. And I think that's such a good point. I think we all look back over the years we've been married. There have been seasons in cycles. There have been seasons when it has gone easy and seasons it's been really rough, you know, and I look at that. Uh, I think about the, the season of life you're in right now, Zach, for Tammy and I, that was the hardest years of our marriage when the kids were young. I mean, it was just like, Tammy, all the energy was focused there. I'm feeling like there's no energy for me. I'm not meeting her needs and helping the way I should be. And I'm frustrated. It was easier to stay at the office than go home and help. She's feeling isolated. And I remember we struggled, uh, some of those years just in that season of, of disconnecting. And, uh, but the hope is, Helen, what would you say? I mean, what's the hope for couples? I think a lot of our young families who feel like they're in that moment, that season. Yeah, I, I think I remember when someone talked to me about understanding that your marriage relationship, you have within that relationship, lots of relationships. Mm. So your business partners, you know, you're, you're running a home, family, money, finances, you're, share, you're sharing in parenting which is challenging in and of itself. It brings out for you your own insecurities, needs through your own parenting styles. You know, you're also lovers, you know. You're also just really good friends. And knowing that that season of parenting is that kind of heightened season when you give most attention to that. And just remember, there's those other parts of your relationship and trying to keep those in balance as well. Yeah, I think that's so good. And I think it is, whenever you're in it, you think it's going to be forever. Yeah. I remember in those younger years, like, this is never going to change. And now we look back with a few more years as we are older and look back and say that it was, the days were long, but the years were short. Mm -hmm. In that season, there there was hope. And so I think that is such just a, I guess, encouragement, Zach, for families who are living in the world you are right now. It's all consuming. Like, it's an amazing time, but it is just a season. And uh, just to kind of get through that. So I think when we're in those moments, it becomes even more intentional that we really focus in and figure out how do I really meet the needs of my spouse? How do I need to think about that? Because isn't it, we get this drift, right? If we don't do this well during those younger years and everything becomes focused on the kids, we tend to gravitate emotionally in our connections to our children. Our identity is found there. Our habits get there. And then all of a sudden the kids leave and you get the season of life where I'm at where you're an empty nester and you're looking across the table like, I don't even know who this person is. I mean, this was the person who drove the kids around and made sack lunches, but we're not connected. And uh, you have this vulnerable point, and then you get to the season where you're moving to Helen where you just have more time, and it's even at a different level of even caring for one another that you go. What have you found to be maybe one key thing for each of those little seasons of life as you've thought about those? Um, I don't know. I think I said to a newlywed just on Sunday after church, I said, hey, just remember, um, you're, you're kind of having growing pains. Hmm. That's a hard season to me. I mean, those early years, they were hard for me. Those were probably the hardest years of just learning how to do this thing, you know, with all those different relationships going on. Um, but I think to, you know, embrace each season and to, and to keep growing through them I mean, honestly, for us, that's been kind of the exciting thing is knowing that who we're becoming and growing to be through the unique seasons is kind of an adventure of dating somebody new, in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, I, I'm really looking forward. John hasn't retired yet, but 
I'm looking forward to it, which I think says something about maybe how we've uh, invested in the last seasons. But, uh, you know, perseverance is the key, <laughs> bottom line, isn't it? Yeah, Just, but I think you're at where we all want to get to. You know, yeah. we really want to get to that that season of life where we're still loving, focused on each other, looking forward to, to even those. And so we get there by going back to really identifying and being intentional about the needs uh, of one another. Helen, let's start a little bit with yours, ladies. First, last week you talked a little bit about what, what every woman wants. And you gave us, a, as men, a wonderful little acrostic to kind of help us think through I was that. keeping it simple. Keep it, yes, it was. Keeping yeah. it simple so. for the men. <laughs> so we appreciated that. Yeah. Can you uh, just, again, share with us a little bit of what that was and maybe just a couple thoughts on each one? Yeah, I use the acrostic love, like Zach just read from Ephesians. That's our greatest need. And I actually really appreciated the insight that there's a difference between need and want. We want a lot of what women want. We want a ton of stuff. But if we can get back to the need. Yeah. There's something that's attainable there because it's God-given. And so, men, you can meet this this need, which is their want as well. So it was love and um, stands for listen. Um, and I kind of gave the guys two thoughts there that attentiveness trumps timing, which can be a challenge for some men just to be present and attentive. And then reflection trumps correction, which is a big deal too because you guys are so good at solving problems, and you want, that's why you express love to us when we just need you to be kind of present with us. And now, that listening. I was going to ask you, Zach, you're kind of in the midst. You've got a lot going on, kids at school, kids in sports, gymnastics, and all of this, and Ashley's trying to balance this all with you. How do you work that you're able to be present emotionally? How, how for you have been some of the things that have helped you to be a good listener? Because I think that's one of the skills that you really have in the midst of all the chaos that's life right now. Yeah, I think it's an interesting season for us. We're kind of the opposite. We found marriage really easy our first several mm-hmm. years, and then it got really challenging when we had kids. That was when it really hit for us. And then it's kind of what you mentioned earlier, Brian. Like, we really, 90% of our conversations, we if we're not careful, become around ministry or our kids, mm-hmm. and really not about us or our lives or our desires, our dreams, our goals, our visions. That kind of stuff has all fallen to the wayside. You're, like kind, the you're kind of part. running logistics every day, right? Exactly. Who's picking who's up? Picking who's picking up? up? We've got yeah. three kids in three different places and one that will start driving to April. So we're so thankful to have another driver, you know, in the house. And so, um, yeah, I think one thing that I've been trying to learn, I'm not great at it yet, is just whether it's my wife or even my kids when they're sharing just to say, hey, um, did you want me to give you advice or counsel on that or do you just wanted somebody to listen? Um, and when you ask that question, you know, because a lot of times you're right, like, just she just needs to vent, mm-hmm. or they need to vent, and they don't want me to solve their problem. They don't want me to fix it. And as a guy, as a coach, I'm like, yeah, let's fix it. Let's let's you know solve this thing. Let's get it taken care of. And they're like, no, I just needed to share where I'm at. I just needed you to listen. I've had no one to listen. I think for Ashley with our kids, now they're getting older. When they were younger, especially, it was just like, I need an adult to talk to. I've been talking mm-hmm. to children all day, um, and I just need someone with a little more maturity to listen to where I'm at right now. And so I think we're still figuring that out and we're still figuring out even how, you know, we've, we've talked about our future and it's like, Hey, we need to get, we need to find a hobby together. So when the kids are gone, we have a shared interest that we love. That's not just our children. That's good. Um, And so we're kind of in those stages of going, Hey, we got one out of the house in two years and that's like, Whoa, two years left. As a dad, you're like, what have I not taught him yet that he needs to know to go into the world. But so we're just kind of getting to that stage now. Yeah, that's really good. So Elle's listening. Yeah, Elle is listening. You're doing a great job at that, Zach. Keep it up. Um, O is observe. So uh, women want 
uh, to be seen. They want to be noticed. And um, I see you, Helen. Yes, thank you. Um, but it's not just you know physically, but it really is like who I am to you as my husband, and 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 what I do that it matters. It's really no different than what you guys want. You you. I think that's where the respect thing comes in, like respect who I am and respect what I do. I wonder if it's really interesting. You two guys found the child-rearing years the most challenging time in your marriage, and that was not true for me as a woman. It maybe was the most fulfilling because I had this goal, this role, this task, the business part of, of our relationship. I had a lot going and just interesting to think yeah. about that. We need you to observe that we're doing that right, and it matters to you. Um, so yeah, and I think what's hard always on the on the guys in is we were the number one, the center of the right. universe, and now all of a sudden, you know, we're barely in the right. galaxy. And this <laughs> wonderful, fun gal we were dating and married, and all this fun has now become mom. Yeah, and uh, I think running the show. She's kinda, running the show, ways. and and Sometimes. finding a deep level of fulfillment and identity and purpose, like you said, within that. And you're kind of like, well, where did I go in the in the midst of this? And if we're not careful, I think it's so easy for guys. We just passivity is always the easiest thing to default to at home. We don't do it in the business. We don't do it in competitive natures, but at home. And we tend just to pull back. And so I think for guys that creates the disconnect because we, we take a step back rather than really stepping into that process. So that's good. Oh, just observing, right? Acknowledging that we're there. Yeah. Bring us to V. V is value, which um, is probably, um, probably the, the foundational need of a woman to know that she's valued. And that really comes through the husband's faithfulness to the marriage covenant and to her, um, that he has eyes only for her. So we just, we talked a little bit about you value us when you keep courting us, you keep getting to know us and you keep only having eyes for us. That's really good. What would be maybe in your relationship one way, because for guys, I think it's always, you know, give me something practical, mm-hmm. tangible. What, what can I do with it? What's a way for you uh, that John shows value to you? Um, it, that's a great question because it, it kind of bounces over to that observed side too. But I, th- I, I, I think bottom line is he has been faithful to me. Mm-hmm. I have never... And unfortunately, this is this is not the experience of many people. But I, I have never questioned his faithfulness to me. And um, we really made a decision early on that this thing was for life. And if that's true, we we're going to have to work really freaking hard at this. And I remember being in this 20 years at our 20-year anniversary, and there were some things I was kind of going, I don't want to be like this for the next 20. Like we're only 20 years into this. We've got to keep, we've got to keep getting to know each other and changing some things, but, but faithfulness for sure. Yeah. That's such a good one. And for those that haven't have experienced that or have had that press broken, but I think that's what I appreciate. I know for many, this is such a hard series. I mean, it's just, it brings up so much of our own brokenness, our own woundedness. Some of us have experienced that at different levels and some have experienced it at the deepest level of betrayal and uh, uh, even abuse in these areas just creates that woundedness that when we get into these things, uh, those walls rise up, the hurt comes up. And I mean, isn't marriage amazing? We take 
two broken people with all of our baggage <laughs> and you put us in a room in a house together and say, go do life together. Mm-hmm. And it's no wonder it's difficult and it's no wonder it's a struggle. And um, I think that's where the hope of the Lord comes in that and, and hope that we continue to grow and we continue, we can do it. We just got to, it can be done. It can be done yeah. with a lot of work. So valuing there. And then give us our last one there just with, with E. The last one is embrace. And mm-hmm. uh, just talking about the woman's need to be held physically, but I think also emotionally and spiritually um, in our lives. That's really, really good. It's a hard thing to define, isn't it? Like, you know when you don't have it and you're not experiencing it, but sometimes it's hard to know, mm-hmm. you know, what to do that. Zach, as you've kind of thought about that, it was a great uh, sermon on Sunday as we thought about those four things. What maybe stuck out to you in terms of just as we think about our wives and, and how do we show that kind of? Yeah, I think the one that really stuck out to me was just, um, I think the listen piece, I think a lot of times I don't listen with the intent to understand. I listen with the intent to respond. So I think just processing through like, creating moments to listen mm-hmm. instead of it being random. I want to be more intentional about those times where it's like, Hey, Ashley, how was your day? What are you walking through? What were your highs? What were your lows? And letting her share and not letting her share so I can try to solve the problem or I can respond like, Oh, cause like as a guy, like she'll be talking, I'll be like, Oh, I got this great solution to this. And I, so I'm missing like a third of what she's saying. Cause I'm already on to how to solve it. Versus going like, no, I just need to listen with the intent to understand, with the intent to to love her and to value her and respect her day and where she's at. And so I think that one kind of hit me um, pretty hard from that standpoint, just going like, I don't I don't make as many times as I need to in the regular schedule. Because then it's like if you wait two weeks or three weeks to have those moments, so many things have passed, so many moments, so many emotions, so many feelings, so many things at that point, you're, you're playing catch-up and you're being reactionary versus being proactive and really going, okay, great, now what's next, you know? And so yeah. I think, um, I think the listen one probably stuck out to me yeah. well. Um, I think, isn't it? It's finding the rhythm of when that works. So for Tammy and I, I remember when our kids were younger, uh, we lived about five minutes from the church. And we had to really figure this out because I would come leave the office after just so much rolling in my mind, and I would roll to the house within five minutes and the moment I open the door, she's like, adult conversation, uh-huh. and she's ready just to unload everything. And I am just trying to debrief and, and relax. And so the tension would come is like she's trying to share it, and I'm not present. I'm just, can we just get done so I can go just take, take my shoes off and sit? So we really had to, for us, it was just practically say, how does this work? And so it was one or two things. Either I need to figure out how to lengthen my ride from the church to the house <laughs> because in five minutes I, I could not I couldn't detox from it yeah. all. Uh, we reached where like when I get home, baby, you can give me just fifteen minutes. Let me get in, get settled, and then I'll come, and we can initiate. That helped us a lot because it it just helped me to be more present. It helped her to realize I wasn't trying to ignore her issues. I just needed a moment to kind of be present. And so for us, it was just trying to figure out what those practical times have worked for yeah, us. Yeah, we're in this weird season. If you're listening and you're uh, a parent of a teenager, it's like you realize teenagers really open up at night. Mm. Like That's their time to be like, here was about my day and here's this person I like or whatever the things they're talking about. And so we used to like nine to midnight was kind of our time. And then our kids got older and now they right. took that time. Mm. Um, and we don't want to, we don't want to take it back because we really enjoy like them opening up and having conversations with us. 
Um, but now it's like we're sending them to bed when we're going to bed. It's like, okay, guys, it's school. Like, we all got to go to bed. I got work. Like, mm-hmm. And so we kind of lost that time. So we're not finding a new rhythm of like, okay, if I'm coming into church later because I'm going to be here later, we'll talk in the morning or um, we'll talk on the phone. And we're trying other, t- other times because it's like you don't want to give up that time with your kids but I need to value that time with my wife you know, on an equal or higher level. Yeah. Like our I joke with my kids is they all know that I love my wife more than all of them. And that's their joke. They'll be like, we know, Dad, you love Mom more than us. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it starts with that. So then knowing that, I think kind of puts it in a proper, a proper place. That's really good. And one plan doesn't work all seasons, right? Right. We come up with a plan for this week. Right. And as soon as you got it, it's changed. Something's different. Your kids get a little older, seasons change. And so it just comes to, back to that communication. I always say greatest marriage advice I can ever give is just, you know, unexpressed expectations lead to unmet expectations. So you just got to talk about it. I, mm-hmm. I feel like you're not hearing me then. This is what I need to be able to do those things. Helen, any other thoughts on us as we think just about that idea of, you know, what every woman wants or really what every woman needs? Um, I think you guys are really addressing this in a great way. And, you know, I, I think the great thing is, is that you know, for the for the women to realize this really goes two ways, and the things that that we love and value and need is a man's need just as 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 much as ours. Um, yeah, that's real good. Well, the first week we started with that area of just what every man what every man wants, and and I always chuckle and Tammy laughed. You know, it's probably more than what. The ladies think right off the bat, you know, it's more than just a one-point sermon. Uh, yet, this is a one-point sermon. We're happy with a one-point sermon, but there's if we probably... we start with one-point sermon, everything the next gets easier. That's three right. Points. So, but I'm is, all ears now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> High attendance Sunday. Here we go. But, uh, you know, I would remember, as we think about men, uh, even that week, just so it was a challenge for us as men to be reminded who you are and who God has uniquely created you to be, because our world has just continued to just devalue, I think, men in such a way. And so uh, if you were that Sunday, if you didn't get a chance, go back and and, uh, and watch that one. But really talked again, we're back to Genesis, what God says, man, this is what you're here, here to do. You know, Genesis 2.15 says, man, the role of every man is to, is to work and protect. I mean, there's just this value, intrinsic value of being that kind of a provider. And again, I think John Eldridge has... Uh, really capsulized the, the thought so well. You know, every man needs a battle to fight, you know, and an adventure to live and a beauty to rescue. There's this God-given purpose that's within us. And I think when it comes back to that Ephesians 5, like you shared, Zach, this idea of that core value for men is that need to be respected. Um, it comes back to being respected for what he's able to do and provide in, in such a powerful way as you think about that. Helen, for as a woman, as you kind of process that this week, maybe what's something that maybe stuck out to you as you think about the needs of, of men with that in context? You know, it's it's really a privilege to be a be the person that has the power to speak to speak courage into mm-hmm. someone, to speak truth into someone. Um and as a wife, we get to do that with our husbands. Um uh so this innate need that they have to to do exactly what you were talking about to kind of have to have purpose and to know that what they do makes a difference for mm-hmm. us um, stuck out greatly. I mean, you know, just a side note. This I I, I was thinking about the whole joke that you started with that. You know, this could be a really short sermon for for men, what they want. But 
you know, for us as, as women to really understand that that's a gift to us, that a man's desire to kind of a beauty to rescue or to pursue is a part of who they are and it's a way that they express love. It just made a difference in my relationship to know I'm the only person that gets to speak to that part of my husband's life. That is such a privilege to me. And when I sort of changed my understanding of how important in our relationship sex really is, um, it it changed the way I saw him and his need and the role that I get to play, which is like none other, you know. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know. Maybe power, that helps somebody. Yeah, no, it's a powerful thing. And I think, and you model it and, and show it so well, I, I think sometimes, I think in our culture too, uh, when we hear that last little phrase, a uh, beauty to rescue, if we're not careful, I, I would think for, for women, the challenge is to interpret that wrongly to say, are you saying I'm weak and, and uh, incapable of caring for myself and, and so I need to be rescued by a man? And I think you, you said it so well, that the power is always is, that comes out of a point of strength. Uh, and I always say so many times to our women, you know, you don't ever have to become less so your man can become more. You just need to be who God created you to be and, and allow him to be that too. And I think there's, there's truth there. But there is that wonderful gift of uh, allowing him to rescue, to mm-hmm. pursue, to value and cherish you at such a level that makes such a, such a difference there. I love what you said, Helen, because I feel like um, if, if guys are really honest, we're very insecure. Right. And so our wives have the ability to I didn't mean to, to either... agree with that so fast. No, you did. <laughs> Sorry. It was great. It was great. <laughs> so, I mean, things, truth is truth, right? <laughs> so, but I feel like you, you guys do have the power. My wife has the power in my life to either fan that insecurity into mm-hmm. more insecurity or to fan that flame to go, no, like this is who I see that you mm-hmm. are. And I appreciate this about you. Um, and that can happen with, you know, just a statement or a look or you know, not intentional time and those kind of things. And so um, I think it's just knowing like we all have different love languages, right? And what that looks like for us. And so um, I think we all have the ability to say, well, this is my love language and I want to force that love language on you. But the reality is they're different. And so it's being able to get out of our own insecurities and be like, hey, I'm going to love her like this because this is the way she needs to be loved. She's going to love me because this is the way I need to be loved as well. And so um, you guys do really have that, you know, as we do as well, right? Like we can fan your insecurities right. just as quickly. Yeah, I think of every man, there's that fragile confidence, right? They always appear that way. And I think you said it so well, Helen. There is a sense of just that the gift of what every man wants is he just wants his wife to be his biggest cheerleader, mm-hmm. you know? And um, and just to know like they are believing in us, they are for us. Uh, if they have the outfit, it's a bonus. But, you know, either way, that they're just our biggest cheerleaders out there because we lose that over age. I kept thinking back, think about your high school days. I mean, she would wear your jersey for the pep rally or back if some of us were older, the Letterman jacket, even though it was three sizes too big, she put that on and would walk through school and you're like, ah, you know, she thinks I'm pretty great. Mm-hmm. And I think there's such power for the women in our lives to just be reminded their words really, really matter. And even though if your guy doesn't respond or doesn't act like they do, it really speaks to the heart and the soul in, in such a way. So every man wants that sense of just the, the affirmation that comes from that, you know, the, the battle to fight, the adventure to live. And um, I encourage even for uh, our wives and our ladies, one of the little phrases I used on that Sunday, you know, what 
what's rewarded gets repeated and what's nagged gets neglected. And the challenge is, I think, when we get into some bad cycles, and I always say the challenge is when men act like boys, women begin to act like mothers. And yeah, we, that was so good. And we roll into that, right? So we all have, we play a role within that. Um, Zach, maybe share from your, how is it in the heart of a man, why is that such a big deal when it moves to that point, like we're feeling like we're being nagged? And I know from the point of, uh, of our wives and women, it's like, it's not where I want to be. I don't want to keep, I feel like I'm having nagging, but it's the only way I can seem to get any movement out of you. When we get into that cycle, how does that really affect the heart and the motivation of a man? I think it's hard. I think we both, well, my wife and I have been in those zones. I feel like it's like neither one of us wants to break first. It's almost like this, um, no one wants to be humble enough to be like, okay, well, let's, let's reset this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in my quietness, my own heart, I go, I think I started that, you know, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to be the first one to admit that I started that because I made a comment and then she piped back at me and then I felt disrespected. So then I stepped on her, yep. and, you know, I stepped on her air hose, which is love. And, mm-hmm. and the cycle just continues and continues until somebody finally just stops and says, hey, I'm really sorry. I know you lashed out because of what I did, and we kind of started that cycle. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna start the conversation to hopefully break that cycle, and let's talk about it and walk through that. And so, um, but I think sometimes that can happen. It's kind of like I talked weeks ago about that um, maturity lag, where it's like when God asks you to do something, how long does it take for you to respond? And is responding a lot quicker? It's that maturity. I think over 21 years of marriage, we've both gotten better at the lag time being shorter. Yeah. It's gone yeah. from like. Oh, we can hold this against for for hours or days. Now it's like that's true. I can come back yep. in five minutes ago. Wow, <laughs> that was pretty jacked up. I'm really sorry that I said that or that I responded that way or whatever. Can we talk about that? Um, and I think when somebody's willing to kind of go first, it really does break the ice. <laughs> it really does break the tension in the room. And that person's like, "Of course I, of course I forgive you." And yeah, I messed up too. Let's have this conversation. You know, and so yeah. I think that's a lot. I think that falls on us as men too. I think we've got to be the initiators. Our wives tend to have a little more sensitivity towards that, and we tend to have passivity towards that. And I, I just think the role of a of a godly husband and father and spiritual leader in these areas is it's in these moments of tension. We we've got to be the initiators. We've got to move into the tension rather than retreat and head to the man cave and I'll see you in three days. You know, we've got to be the ones, because I think that speaks to our wives, how much we value the relationship. It does. When you guys move towards us in that way with grace and forgiveness and humility, it just, it, then it just does unlock that sense of respect. And I, I do think just scripturally, you know, that you are to love us like Christ loved the church and gave himself for And I, I see that in men. I see it in my husband for sure, that he is the initiator of forgiveness, which is, you know, of offering forgiveness, which is Jesus and what Jesus does. Mm-hmm. That's a great word. I think the other part is just that first part of that, you know, what's re, uh, rewarded is repeated. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just the encouragement. If you find yourself even today as you're listening to this, like we're just in this bad cycle. And it doesn't seem like we can get out of it, and I can't see any good. It's to try to give those fresh eyes to say, let me find and see in the context of what my husband is doing well. Uh, we can make the list. We've been married long enough. You can make the list of all the things they're not. Uh, and the challenge is that's not moving the bar forward relationally. Yeah. So where can I find places that I really see it's there, and where can I reward that, acknowledge that? Where can I take that list of 10 things that are, are these annoyances and figure out these are the three things that really are important. 
because if it gets so big, it just feels like I'm failing at every area of my life and I'm failing at every area of this marriage and relationship. But if I had a couple things, it gives me a chance to respond and and I think have some successes, which, which is, I think so important because we just can so quickly get into that cycle. Like it's never going to change. I can't get over this. I'm failing. And again, when we, especially I think in the heart of men, when we feel like a failure, we tend to just close up again and become passive Mm -hmm. and move our ways back. One practical thing that we've been trying to do better at is in our marriage and at the house is just there was a season where we never thanked each other for the normal expectations of our roles. So it's like if I was mowing the yard or I helped cook or, you know, she was running the kids around everywhere, it's just a simple like, hey, thanks so much for like mm-hmm. being a happy cab for the kids this week, you know. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for doing the laundry. Thanks for having dinner, you know. Where it's easy just to go, I don't need to thank because that's just those are our roles. We created expectations and it's what we do. But when Ma'am. she thanks me for taking yeah. the trash out or doing whatever, it's like, oh, well, she didn't need to. It's my job. I do it. We kind of set those roles a long time ago and what we do. I don't mean male and female roles. I just mean we decided what chores we're doing yeah. right. between the two right. of us. And um and just but when she says thank you for the little things, I'm like, oh, that that's really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's easy to kind of take each other for granted in those seasons where it's like, well, of course you're going to do that. That's part of your job. You yeah. Know? And so I think it's just being able to be grateful in the little things and grateful in the expect, even the expe- yeah. expected things. I think going back to that whole business model and knowing these are just things you do in the business and you, you do it because you're good at it. You don't need her to do them, right. you know, because you're good at that part. And but being appreciated in it makes a difference for you. Right. Yeah, that's a good word. So much we're talking about here is trying to just be intentional, think of the others, place them before ourselves. I know for Tammy and I, I you come away with this, maybe the series or you hear this podcast, I, I, I'm going to do better now, but what does that look like? And I think trying to make sure we're putting our energy in something that really does speak to the heart of the others. For Tammy and I, you know, Gary Chapman's been a series that's been out for a long time, but the five love languages was so helpful for us. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, let me just uh, give you this. If you go to fivelovelanguages.com, they've got an assessment. If you're not familiar, it helps you understand these, but they're really five love languages. It's words of affirmation, acts of service, physical touch, quality time, and gift giving. And there's some descriptions on each one of those. Some of those are pretty self-explanatory. But the premise that really helped me in this was, is that we tend to express love to our partner in the same love language that we want to express back to ourselves. And the challenge is, if that's not your spouse's or your partner's love language, it's really getting missed. And so I remember thinking... Oh, I, when the, especially when the kids were young. Hey, I'm doing the dishes. I'm, uh, I'm taking out the garbage. I'm doing these acts of service. This should be filling her cup. And what I missed was Tammy's love language was actually words. Mm-hmm. So doing those in silence was moving the bar zero uh, along those ways. And so for us, we had to be able to identify for ourselves um, and then for the other one, what those were. Because I go back again, unexpressed expectations lead to unmet expectations. So, Helen, how about for you and John? What's uh, What are your guys' love languages, and what does that look like for you? It's challenging because mine is acts of service, and that is so hard for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Hope you're listening, John. <laughs> Take some notes, I mean, buddy. he because it's not his, right. you know, and so I, I, I'm always doing all this stuff and serving, and it does mean something to him. But, but anyway, he's, yeah. Um, maybe we should have a counseling session on this. I don't know. But but, uh, but isn't it amazing in so many, and we're going to talk about it at our next one just with, 
with intimacy and sex. In sex, it, all of this is the dying of self. None of it comes just naturally, organically in terms of, I wish my spouse had the same love language, but it's going to take effort on my part to really speak it. So it's no surprise that you and John have different ones because yeah. it's, it's what makes A the, big aha was when I really started to see his, the way he works and provides for us is the ultimate act of service. Hmm. And when I was able to speak to that and see, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? He works so hard and sacrifices so much and, and, and able to provide for us. And that is the ultimate act of service. Then that switched for me, uh, just seeing that, you know. Um, for him, his is physical touch, so I do my best to make that. You can, just, you can just leave it at that. <laughs> we can just stop there. We're good. How about, how about you, Zach? How about for you guys? What does that yeah, kind of look like in your work? Definitely um, acts of service would be number one, and then gift giving would be number two. Um, and I feel like, yeah, the acts of service thing, that one comes fairly natural for me to do. And and um, I like what you said. I haven't really thought of that from a sense of I'm doing the act of service by providing and things like that, but more of just well, I think coming, if women coming would home see and, that. coming home and not just putting my feet up, but coming yeah. home and... Um, I have a little bit longer drive than Brian on the way home, so I have about 15, 20 minutes. And and when I get home, I, I don't know. Part of this, I have the spiritual gift of compartmentalization. So I can literally just shut off what happened at church, doesn't matter what it is, and just go straight into dad-husband mode and then flip it back on at night if I need to, you know, kind of thing. And so I really just learned to get home and, you know, do I need to help with dinner? Do I need to help with the dishes or with the kids' homework and things like that, and that really does fill her her love tank up pretty good. And then I'm terrible at the gift giving, and so um, she's great at. I'll be like, you you just want to get yourself something? Like that sounds great, you know? Like <laughs> you're so good we, at we it. We joked about she got this um, air fryer for Christmas, and we've been using it nonstop. And um, and literally, she bought it. Mm-hmm. It came in, and she said, "Hey, you should probably check the front door." And I got the gift, hit it. I don't know why she knew what it was. And I wrapped it. That was the extent of my gift giving. You get points for wrapping. I get it. points for wrapping it. But um, so those are her two. And then mine are different. Mine are physical touch and then words of affirmation. And so, um, and you know, we we do this. Uh, I said this. You heard that colors thing. And our colors are different too. So we really are opposites in our in who we are and the way God's wired us. So we really have to work really hard to kind of make sure that we meet other person's needs. You know, in that way. So well, that's a good one. Yeah, Tammy's is uh, words of affirmation, and mine's are our gifts given. Again, in both of us today, we are terrible at each other's one. She's not a great gift giver, and I'm terrible at words of affirmation, uh, the right words of affirmation. Yes. So I'm learning that part. Uh, <laughs> what would so, be the wrong words, Brian? I'd like well, to hear a few of those. Probably most of the words, the uh, very generic. You look, ni- here's what I, you look nice. Really? Get more specific. What, what looks what nice? Looks yeah. nice. <laughs> uh, so when Helen was preaching, I my ribs are still sore because I got a few jabs. Like, do you hear all those wonderful words that she's using? So I think it's using was, yeah intentionally very descriptive in Descri- those words. Descriptive words was, is my yes. problem. I tend to be like I I thought I acknowledged. I thought that was enough. One thing that's helped us. So words of affirmation aren't great for me, and I'm not good at cards. So we have uh, a dry erase marker that's at the in a bathroom on the mirrors, and so we probably write the most notes to one another just on the mirrors when people get up in the morning. If it's if it's quick, it's accessible and it's visible. I tend to do a better job of remembering it. So I think just trying to figure out whatever your uh, your significant other's love language is, what do I need to do to try to figure out 
uh, to make that more visible, more obvious ways that it's repeatable and not make it such a big deal. Sometimes if it seems like it's such an overwhelming thing, like if I got to get flowers and do a card, I'll never do it. But just what are the small practical, practical things that we do? And, and then they change, don't they? They change a little bit through seasons of life, acts of service when things are overwhelming when there's less than other words come in. And I always try to ask Tammy, I say, what's your love language? She's like, all of them. Yeah. You know, so it's like, oh, okay, no wonder <laughs> I'm struggling. That, that's easy, though. <laughs> yeah, so no, that's really good. Well, as we think a little bit about this uh, area of, of just relationships and as we kind of get started, uh, maybe what's one word of just encouragement or hope that we'd give? Because we know today, I mean, a lot of these are reaching some folks that are really in the midst of a difficult time. And they're wondering, are we going to be able to get through this? Or I've tried this, and I'm doing all the things that you're saying, and my spouse isn't responding, um, and I'm getting nowhere. Um, well, maybe just some words of encouragement for those that find themselves really in a dark season. A little bit like John and Helen, Ashley and I decided early on that, like, we predetermined that we were going to persevere no matter what we walked through. And so I think part of that is just creating some expectations on the front end. So whether you're dating someone or engaged or married or whatever that looks like. And then uh, the other thing that I think um, uh, as a coach, I coach a lot of my kids' sports. I always tell people you can only control two things in sports, but really it's a life thing is you can control your attitude and your effort. Um, and I think that's the part that um, in any relationship, it's like I can't control how she's going to respond. I can't control what she's going to say or do, but I can control my attitude and my effort towards those things. And so being able to know that, um, however I react, um, I can control that part of yep. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being able to really own that part of it. Um, and then I would say the other biggest thing for, for us in our relationship has just been um, not worrying about who's going to ask for forgiveness first or break first, mm-hmm. but it really is just, and all of our sin is, and all of our mess-ups are just because we're selfish people. So being able to own that and just be like, I did this. It's because I'm selfish. Yeah. Here's where it's at. And there's something so humbling about that. Like, never once have I told my wife, like, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Can you forgive me? And she was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. You know, I think there's just something about laying it out there um, that's so freeing mm-hmm. and then allows that person to be like, well, maybe it wasn't all on you. Maybe there was a part I need to own as well. Yeah, it's good. Conversations, so. It's good. That is good, Zach. That's, I, I just to, to build on that, I think. I would just build on that and say, um, don't do this alone. Uh, you know, find couples that have what you want and hang out with them. Right. I think that that's important in marriage. I think having also your own sense of connection and working individually to become healthy people makes the marriage a healthy marriage. So I would add that to that. And I, I I think a faith community is just important in that, where people are for marriage and uh, will come alongside of you to help you all in whatever stage you're in. There's already always someone that's ahead of you that's done this right. Yeah. And so that's why there's always hope, whether there's marriages out there right now that are just barely hanging on. In our faith community, there's other couples that were there 10 years ago right. or five years ago. And they can say, here's, here's how we got here. Do you want us to help? Mm-hmm. So I'd say not do it alone. Yeah, that's such a great, powerful word. And I think, yeah, it's seeking those folks out 
finding a good Christian counselor. You know, I think most couples at some season have just needed that outside help, that outside voice and perspective that's been so helpful and just not being prideful. And I love what you said at first. It may be the case where you have to go alone to some of these things until your spouse is at the point of responding if they do. But it's just that idea. You've got to have your cup full to be able to to really do that. So it's a great word. I guess we just, you know, encourage you just... uh, just keep on the fight, right? It's the consistency. I know, if, especially if trust has been broken, you feel like, hey, I, I hear a series like this, and I'm going to try these things. And you're kind of like, Pastor, I've been doing this for three weeks now, and they're not responding. And you want to say, well, three, they're just seeing if it's real or not. You know, It's going to take some weeks and months and sometimes years, depending on where it is. And so just staying strong in your faith and strong and committed to what you're doing, the consistency there makes such a difference. Well, that's week one, uh, relationships, right? What every man wants, what every woman wants, the reality is we, God has created us such unique and yet incredibly complex creatures, and there's so much to us in this relationships, but uh, the great part is we get to do this together. The great part is it's a learning process, you know, and as we can grow together in our marriages, they do become richer 10 years in and 15 years and 20 years and on we go, and The great hope is that we really will find that person that we really can do life together and have the marriage we've always dreamed of and the marriage we've always wanted. But it doesn't happen accidentally. It happens by work and effort, some good days and some bad days, but just showing up each time. Well, thanks for joining us this week. I encourage you. A couple things you can go with this is just try to figure out, can you identify what your love language is? Can you identify the love language of your significant other? Find out what that is. Talk about it. And uh, find one way to express that on a regular area. And you'll be amazed that if you'll take the initiative, that they will respond if you will initiate first. And so have the courage, have the humility, have some fun with this. Mm -hmm. This is the great part. This is... This is why you got married in the first place. This was your best friend who you enjoyed just being with and you couldn't be away. And so rekindle that part uh, and you'll see such a difference. Our next podcast, we're going to talk about really kind of the intimacy of that rekindling, talking a little bit about how our sexual integrity and our sexual intimacy really impacts our relationships. And so we want to invite you to come back for that podcast. Uh, Parents, this one's going to be a little more geared towards uh, if you are married. So we're going to talk a little more candidly on that topic. And so just use your discretion for our second week of the podcast. But welcome to week one of Off the Record.